Back to Tom and Bach on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back. Final half hour of Tom and Bach. I'm Tom Stevens. He's Jake Bachhoven. Talking about balloons. It seems like there's a split. Some of them like the tradition. Others think, you know, I can live without it. Um, I wonder, uh, let's introduce uh, David Eichholt, who, uh, Eichholt, who uh, is with 24-7 Sports, covers Iowa football. But he was a student at the University of Nebraska. Yeah. What do you think of the balloon tradition? Uh, controversial. Uh, should get rid of that tradition, or do you like to keep it? Hey, guys, good to be talking to you yeah. again. Uh, you know, I, I do like it. I, I think it's a cool, unique thing that does help set Nebraska apart. Uh, you know, like you said, I know it's a little bit controversial, but I, I don't know. I, I'm always a big I'm always big on symbolism in college athletics, and I think Nebraska's carved out a nice niche with it. And, and again, I think it's a cool thing. I think it yeah. should stick around. There you go. Yeah, as we said, David Eichold on the uh, on the horn with us. He is uh, a former intern here, so it's kind of cool to see him yeah. go off and do great things with 24-7 sports in Iowa. It's kind of always awkward. We knew you were an Iowa fan, but you went to Nebraska here. Now you get to work for Iowa. That's very cool. And obviously they just had the game uh, this last week, and we'll get into that for a second. But again, you're a student here, so you, you keep close tabs on what Nebraska does. What is your just kind of overall feeling on the Scott Frost experiment, extending it a year further for the Huskers? Yeah, you know, I think this Nebraska team in general is a complete case study, right? Because they're just so close. And I think once you got down to the final half of the season or so, I think it was more of a mental block than anything else for the team. I think they have a lot of talent. But, you know, I know some people on the outside made fun of Nebraska for extending Frost another year. I actually thought it was a very smart move by Trev Alberts. I think it makes a lot of sense. Look at the way the coaching car- like the carousel is going right now. Uh, there's a lot of big-time jobs open. And, you know, the market for great coaches leaving, it's not big unless you want to pay $95 million for a coach who entered the season 7-12, and 12, like Mel Tucker in his FBS career. And then, obviously, look at what Brian Kelly's done. But, you know, Trev Alberts, I like what he did. He reduced the buyout in half. They cut the salary mm-hmm. a little bit as well. I think it's a good move for at least one more year. Uh, because, you know, do you really want to keep restarting? I think the loyalties get payoff, uh, you know, in the long run. And I do think it was a smart thing for them to do. Talking with David Eicholt, who covers Iowa football for 24-7 Sports. Uh, you were here at the university watching it close as a student, uh, and now you're covering Iowa football. You've seen the differences uh, in Nebraska trying to break through in the Big Ten under Scott Frost. Why have they not been able to, in your mind? I think a couple things. One, I, I think you know the Big Ten, especially the Big Ten West, you look at just strong play in the trenches, both line of scrimmages, offensive line. I mean, Iowa traditionally has not been, uh, you know, great at skill position development, but they've always been tough up front, and that's why they've been so tough to beat. On top of that, too, it's interesting. I wrote in my postgame column, especially this, true for this year's uh, Nebraska team, special teams. I mean, Iowa has flat out won games on special teams this year, uh, and we've seen top teams go down because of special team blunders. And I know, you know, I've watched every Nebraska football game this year. I mean, how many different special teams blunders have we seen? So, I think Nebraska can stick with what they're doing offensively to some extent. I think that they can continue to get talent. But I think the smartest thing they should do uh, is to invest in a special teams coordinator, a really legit one. I think that would go a really long way uh, for them. And then obviously just, you know, find the right fit. I think it was a very smart move by Scott Frost uh, to fire the offensive assistant. I know it's kind of a gamble uh, for a one-year experiment for the new assistants to come in. But I'll tell you what, if it pays off 
and Nebraska does have a great year next year. I mean, you talk about the program going back up into what it wants to become, and you talk about coaches' profile uh, taking that next step as well. So I do think it's kind of a interesting mix up there. But mm-hmm. I think strong play in the trenches, not turning the ball over, and special teams. I think that goes a long, long way, especially in the Big Ten. How was the the viewing from the Iowa side as uh, that Black Friday game kind of unfolded? It was kind of interesting and somewhat predictable from the Nebraska side, but from the Iowa side, you know, Kirk Ferentz is, is just absolutely his own Scott Frost and PJ Fleck and Matt Campbell, and and so you know, getting into that game, you know, Tom and I like to go back to the fact that Kirk Ferentz uh, hit a field goal late, you know, just before the start of the fourth quarter to cut the the two touchdown or the two possession game down to a two possession game. He just had uh, the patience to know that Nebraska was going to blow up. Was there some pretty nervous Iowa fans, or, or was there kind of the idea that, that, that Kirk's got, got this in control? You know, I think it was a little bit of both. Um, you know, I, I think back to what Iowa's been all year. I mean, obviously they started out 6-0. and They went to number two in the country, which I think everybody in the world knew they weren't the number two team in the country, but you really couldn't argue against them at that point. Um, then they went on the two-game losing skid, but – over their final four games that they won, I mean, Iowa has just played teams closer or having to come back from. I mean, you think about the week before against Illinois, they were down 10-0 to in the first quarter. Then Charlie Jones houses a 100-yard kickoff return touchdown, and I think people knew kind of right then that, you know, Iowa was going to find a way to come back in this game. Um, they nearly blew the lead against Minnesota. Minnesota got the ball back um, and nearly drove down the length of the field until Iowa stopped them late, but the story with this Iowa team, again, I talked about Nebraska being a case study. I think this Iowa team is also a case study because I go back to what my dad always said growing up is, you know, especially true with, with this year's teams, winners know how to win and losers just find different ways to lose. Yeah. And, I mean, again, if you sw- I've said this too. If you put Iowa's special teams on Nebraska's team this year, I would bet Nebraska goes at least 8-4. and four. Like, that's yeah. how big of a deal I think special teams has been to Iowa and in Nebraska, and if you take Nebraska special teams and put on Iowa, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe they're 5-7, and seven, maybe and they're 4-8. and eight. I mean, that, that's really yeah. how big of a difference is. I, I could write a whole case about yeah. why Tory Taylor, Iowa's punter, yeah. was the team's MVP this year. Uh, <laughs> David Eichel uh, covers Iowa football for 24-7 sports. But that being said, you wonder how much Iowa could be good do with an offense. And I know Brian Ferentz has taken a lot of heat uh, this year, I think there was even a petition to try to get rid of him. That's never going to yep. happen. Why wouldn't they try to improve offensively? It seems almost like they're happy being bad on offense. It's it's again, it's just such an interesting case study to me. And I've always said, you know, watching Iowa growing up as well as Nebraska, Iowa's, you know, I've always thought that their their skill development as far as you know wide receivers or running backs have really held the team back from taking that next step. I think it's been the opposite this year. I think it's been play calling, and I think it's been the offensive line. I mean, Iowa's offensive line gave up the second most sacks this regular season in the Kirk Ferentz era. They were second to last in the Big Ten in that. Uh, Outside Tyler Linderbaum, everything else was pretty inconsistent across the board. Iowa's done some different things. They're trying to know some some sweeps. They're going back to the inside zone instead of outside zone. I think that's been a very, very big deal uh, to this team as well. But, you know, we've pressed Kirk on this countless times throughout the season. He just said, look, we're going to reevaluate everything at the end of the season because they don't want to try to overhaul everything in the middle of the season. And while I understand that, I think people are just wanting to say, you know, just wanting to see some new wrinkles to it. And, again, if you go to a Big Ten championship and you think you're going to beat Michigan, especially with Aiden Hutchinson, who if I had a Heisman vote, I would vote for him to be the Heisman this year in a down year in quarterbacks. Uh, 
you aren't going to beat them by beating them, you know, outside zone. You got to take some shots downfield. You need some explosive plays, and they got to make some different things happen. I think Iowa's inability to recruit a mobile quarterback, I think it's ultimately going to hurt them, and I think it ultimately uh, is going to hurt them in the Big Ten championship come Saturday. Uh, what what is kind of the feel of the the fan base around this team? Like you said, there's some obvious flaws there. Um, does it compare to the 2015 team? Obviously, you can't really replicate um, going undefeated or you know some of those early 2000 teams that Kirk Ferentz had, or 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 is it just kind of a team that that just grinds out and finds a way to win? But maybe Iowa fans acknowledges doesn't have maybe the talent of past teams. You know, even going back to that 2015 team, I would argue that this Iowa team is more talented than that mm. team. I mean, Kirk and a lot of the players on the 2015 team who I've talked to on the side have flat out said, you know, we weren't really the best team. I mean, but the reality was the camaraderie, the chemistry, and the genuine love uh, just, you know, playing alongside one another is really what drove them to Indy that year. And I think Iowa right now, they're just loving this underdog role. I mean, you talk across the board. I know Spencer Petras, we talked with yesterday, who will be Iowa starting quarterback come Saturday. He just said, look, we've been an underdog in every single bowl game I've, since I've been here and almost every big game. He referred back to the uh, 2019, uh, 2018 Outback Bowl when Iowa was an a underdog to Mississippi State who had three first-round draft picks on defense. Iowa found a way to win that game. USC, everybody picked USC in 2019 to beat them. And then Iowa, you know, obviously torched them. And he just said, look, we've, we've been here before, and I think you go back to that even 2016 game against Michigan. Iowa was a 21-and-a-half-point underdog in that game, and they found a way to win. And, you know, it's interesting with Iowa. It feels like they're more underdogs when they're actually favorites, but they actually yeah. play better when they're discounted. Um, and not, I'm not saying that Iowa's going to win on Saturday, but it, it is kind of funny to me, and I think a lot of people who cover the team around the area in the Big Ten world that, hey, everybody's already talking about Michigan playing Georgia. And nobody's talking about what if Iowa actually pushes Michigan. So uh, it de- it definitely leaks into the locker room, and I got no you know I got no doubt that Iowa's yeah. going to at least come out on Saturday and really try to dirty up the game and make it ugly. And if that happens, you know we'll see. I mean, we've seen crazier things happen. But we're talking with David Eichholt of Twenty Four Seven Sports Iowa Football. It does feel like this is a decent matchup for Iowa. For example, compared to Ohio State with lots of speed and you know big time wide receivers everywhere you look, uh, Iowa's pretty good at stopping the run, and that's what Michigan likes to do. Yeah, Hassan Haskins, absolute stud. I mean, the five touchdowns last week and what Michigan did last week. I mean, talk about perfect game plan executed. The, the thing that you know I think worries me about Iowa going into this matchup is, I mean, obviously when everybody talks about Iowa, they talk about the ridiculous interception numbers. I mean, they have eleven different players that have at least one interception. They have 22 of them on the year, which leads the nation. Iowa has 88 of them since the start of the 2017 season, also leads the nation. But you look at this Michigan team, they don't shoot themselves in the foot, and Iowa has been very good at capitalizing yeah. on opponents' ability to self-destruct. Yeah. We look at Cade McNamara. He only has three interceptions on the year. I think J.J. McCarthy has done some really, really good things as well this season. And Iowa typically sits back in their same cover, too. They sit back in their same zone coverage and just wait and then yeah. pounce on the opportunity. And I don't know how many times uh, Michigan's going to allow you know themselves to be put in that sort of position. Uh, I think Iowa's best shot is, is Michigan going to be super emotionally hungover going into this yeah. game after being Ohio State? Uh, I think that's something that not a lot of people are talking about, and I think it should be, it should be talked about more. And keep in mind, too, in the Kirk Ferentz era, uh, he, he is 7-6 and six against the Wolverines, and Jim Harbaugh has only beaten Iowa once as a player or coach. So 
Iowa knows how to play Michigan. Phil Parker, Iowa's defensive coordinator, is a Michigan State alum, so you know he's got some disdain yeah. for the Wolverines. And I do think that you know, those type of things do have an impact games, uh, especially going. 30 seconds, David. Give me your pick here in this game. I am picking Michigan. I think Iowa makes it ugly. I don't see Michigan really putting up a ton of points, but I'm going to go Michigan 24, and I'm going to go Iowa 20. I think Iowa you know, yeah. not has a pick six, but they put themselves in a good position, yeah. uh, and they'll capitalize on the momentum. Yeah, that sounds like an Iowa-type score, uh, and I expect something like that. But I think Iowa could win this game. Good stuff, David. We appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, thanks, guys. Uh, David Eicholt used to work here at the ticket. Yeah. Uh, now covers Iowa football for uh, 24-7 sports, so there you go. Uh, but he's an Iowa – he grew up an Iowa fan, right? Yeah, he did, and yeah. uh, and went to Nebraska. That that was probably um, – He was very confused. I had a classmate that was a very big Michigan fan um, at Nebraska. It's always kind of um, weird, just kind of like um, – <laughs> It's hard to uh, – because the, the, with him, like both of them, it's um, not the, like kind of, yeah, I kind of um, like that other team. It's like um, that's, that's who they are. That's kind of who um, they brand themselves off of, so – kind of cool to, to see them you know especially david go out there and yeah. be able to work for his yeah, dream school I'm there. happy for it um four six four five six eight five starter hammond text line we we're asking about uh, balloons and whether or not nebraska should get rid of them um i say we have a really obnoxious set of of red fireworks uh combo in the first uh, td after every game would that make up for it like everyone, uh, that would be you'd be yeah, happy with fireworks yeah, yeah. instead of uh, balloons. I think that no matter what, if you do get rid of the tradition, you do have to come up with something else, and that's a good idea. You got to replace it. Yeah. By the way, I love Nate Roar. What do you think of the third down thing? <laughs> I just the only problem I have with it is that he ends it with third down and four or something. That kind of takes away from the whole third. third. I would just go with third. Down. I don't like it because every time he says it, we give up a third down. <laughs> Not necessarily. I like it because it gets the crowd going. You know, yeah. it's 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 that you know that defense kinds of needs. It. It's yeah. kind of it's just a cool moment. But it's it's not like yeah. Nebraska's uh, created that. You hear that across stadiums across yeah. the nation. Yeah. I just think they should cut out the and four or the and seven or the and yeah. one. It just it just sounds you know. I know it's informative, but it kind of takes yeah. away from the whole point yeah. in my mind. Uh, text line says fireworks are air pollution, so you can't do that. You either kill the birds or you kill the air. So you, those are out. Uh, somebody else asked, what if you replace the balloons with the Chinese lanterns? Uh, you know those things that you set on fire? Uh, yeah, those are great. Yeah, those are great. Barry Swanson used to uh, set the, his on fire at his tailgate, and it would fly over Memorial Stadium, and you were worried that it would set the stadium on fire. <laughs> he never got point. in trouble for that? No, you, they made him stop. Yeah, I bet uh, they did. I don't think he ever got in trouble, but it does. Ma- it scares you. Those what, were popular a few years back, especially for like uh, even like Independence Day. Um, but I think there was like a national problem of those things landing on roofs and starting fires. Uh, uh, Eric and Lincoln says the ACDC between the third and fourth quarter uh, needs to stay. Um, I, I, yeah, I like that. I like with the the night games. They do that. Yeah, with night yeah games. the night games. The ACDC good. with the night games. And that is cool. Yeah. Like, it's got to be a night game for that to work. Right. It has yeah, to, it would be yeah. great. You can't have a light show in the middle of the day. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think you can, unless we go to a dome and just turn off the lights. Maybe you could do We've that. We've got to figure out something to do for the daytime. Ah, it, that, we'll get on that during the offseason. We'll, yeah. we'll have some time. Um, so there you go. Um, we appreciate uh, David Eicholt of uh, 24-7 Sports uh, talking Iowa football. I feel like I, I know more about the team. Let's get to break and come back with the pregame. 
Nick will be here, Rico Alvarez-Clary, and uh, we'll talk with them. It'll be great. We'll do it next. You're listening to Tom and Bach. Watch live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch.